0: 7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch all this is Steve Zinsmeister back here with you. We've got an extra half hour waiting on the announcement from the Arizona Cardinals for their final transactions ahead of Sunday. Just going to see who's for sure going to be elevated from the practice squad. It sounds like Corey Clement, the running back who they just picked up earlier this week, will be elevated, but we don't know who else. We don't know if anybody's going to be placed on injured reserve. So when we have that information, we will let you know. But really quickly, it is a great day for baseball. Two reasons. Firstly, because Steve and I are out at Chase Field today watching the first ever Arizona Fall League triple header. It's right now the Mesa Solar Sox taking on the Glendale Desert Dogs. A scoreless game into the seventh inning. They only play seven innings in the Fall League. So if you're looking for a quicker fix of baseball, you can still get that. There's two more games later today. And you can get your tickets at mlbfallball.com MLBfallball.com. Second reason, Steve, Philadelphia Phillies are having a party and they are just a few outs away from headed to the National League Championship Series. They're up 4-2 to right now on the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, baseball postseason
1: has been underway for the last week or so. Really thrilling to watch. Uh, obviously, the Braves, as defending world champions, uh, you kind of would have picked them over the Phillies, right? I think most people would have. The Phillies are a surprise team coming out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but I don't know how many people would have picked them to advance to the uh, NL Championship Series. But it looks like that is kind of the direction that we're heading right now. Oh, you're pointing at me. Yeah, Uh-oh.
0: sorry. It's it's rather breaking news, I must say. So, Trev, if okay. you can hit the little buzzer back there for me when you get the chance. this Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Yeah, so here are the Cardinals roster moves. Steve, okay. are you All right, ready? Let's hear them. They have activated quarterback Colt McCoy from injured reserve. That was inevitable. They have elevated running back Corey Clement and wide receiver Javon Wims to the active roster from the practice squad. We knew one of those. They have released the linebacker Devon Kennard. Interesting. I yeah. I'm kind of taken aback a bit. Okay, so Full
1: disclosure, Mitch and I ex- extended the show a couple of weeks ago for the first time because we do get these transactions that come out just after 1 o'clock. We wanted to be here when it happens, so we can give, give you the latest you. news. Yes, The first time that we did that was a time when they elevated Devon Kennard from the practice squad, which was weird enough that he didn't make the uh, 53-man roster to begin with. This is an experienced outside linebacker playing on a team that doesn't have a lot of pass rushers at the moment. Right, Obviously, we've talked a lot about how Chandler Jones left in free agency during the offseason. This team went and drafted two young pass rushers of different molds in Cam Thomas and MyJay Sanders, both in the third round, I believe. But they haven't made a big splash yet. Devon Kennard has been a piece of this defense. He has actually played for the Cardinals,
0: and I guess that's why it surprises me so much that he's no longer a member of the team. So then, does that mean MyJay Sanders is ready for regular active status because he had been not dressed for the first four weeks he finally got game action last week do they like what they see in my J. sanders over devon canard because that was kind of the big difference as to why canard was released in the first place yeah and here he is getting released again i could i could understand
1: making that conclusion based on this transaction Uh, for a while i think they were doing the practice squad thing with canard as just a way of keeping him around and it was roster manipulation that's really oh, all A hundred percent. And for whatever reason, they felt pretty confident that nobody else around the league was going to pick up Devon Kennard. So instead of using a roster spot to hold them over for the week, they stashed him on the practice squad. It appears that they're done with that for now. I mean, there's always a chance that nobody picks him up and that the Cardinals bring him back. Uh, but I'm a little surprised to hear that. Corey Clement, not shocked. Uh, on a week where you're missing James Conner and Daryl Williams are both out for tomorrow's game in Seattle. Yeah, you're going to need some running back help. You've obviously got Eno Benjamin, the local product from ASU, who we all anticipate will play a major role tomorrow in the running game. Keontae Ingram, who they drafted in the last draft, will probably play somewhat of a role in tomorrow's game. And I think that Clement could possibly see the field.
0: I'm seeing a tweet from Devon Kennard from his Twitter account, at Devon Kennard. He says, First pick is likely the last picture I'll have in a Cardinals game day uni. It is from the game against the Eagles where they're wearing the black unis with the black helmets. Second one is energy I came with in my last practice. It's an awesome photo of him sticking out his tongue, showing that energy like he's ready to go. And then the last one is how I'm spending my Saturday. And it is a picture of him, and it looks like his two daughters as well. Life comes at you fast in this league. Never take it for granted. Excited for what's next. Uh, Hands together emoji. You know what? I have a funny feeling that he's just going to be re-signed to the practice squad, and I personally have some ill feelings about that. Why? Because I don't think Devon Kennard deserves this. I think Devon has shown that he can play at the NFL level. And I think he just deserves an opportunity elsewhere where he's wanted. I don't fully believe that he's wanted here in Arizona. I see based
1: on the tweet that you just read
0: where he says,
1: you know, this could be my last picture in a Cardinals game day uni. While that is possible, that to me reads like a guy who was told, this is it. You're not coming back. I know we've been... I know we 've been yanking you around here and there you know you 've been up you 've been down you 've been practice squad you 've been game day you 've played in actual meaningful snaps for this team i don 't think you post that that tw- uh, tweet unless you were told something of significance that hey man this is we 're not going to yank your chain anymore you 're actually gone this time.
0: Well, the first time around when he got cut, he released one of those tweets where he was reacting like cold world, and he had the burr face emojis. If he reacts this way again, and then they just end up bringing him back to the practice squad, like I can only imagine what Devon is going through right now. You know, think about, think of it from the perspective of you and I are trying to be broadcasters, right? Or we're, or, we're <laughs> trying to. Well, I'm doing my best. We're doing the be- <laughs> we're doing the best we can. Sorry, that was a bad way of phrasing. it. You and I are younger broadcasters compared to some of our colleagues. Fair correct? enough. Okay, so we're working to get to a different level, and in that process, we are told. No, nah, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. We're going to pull you from that. But then a week later, we're told, "Oh hey, I need you to broadcast this event for us." Are we going to say no? Probably not. It's work and an opportunity. But then a few weeks later, after what we feel like is a sub or is a sufficient job, we get told that we're not going to do it again. Like it from that perspective, it feels kind of frustrating. To told you you're good enough at your job but you're not good enough at your job. Yeah, the whole thing with Devon Kennard, I, I,
1: it stinks, right? It just stinks because yeah. of where he's at in his career, and I hope that another team comes along and gives him a fair shake and, and tries to utilize him because not only is he a, a- decent enough NFL player who can play a role especially on a team like this that doesn't have other pass rushers except for some young guys who haven't played much uh, it just feels to me like this is finally the the final goodbye for Devon Kennard and that that's really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. I hope it's not true I hope he does come back but I, I don't know man I don't think you post
0: that tweet unless something's up. Or well, what if he ends up on the Seahawks? Second like baseman Seahawks need defensive help. It, it obviously won't happen today and tomorrow. I was going to say
1: it won't be a uh, ploy for the playbook. It's you know legally I mean?
0: impossible. But I'm I'm am kind of curious. I'm thinking about teams that need defensive help and. Yeah. Kennard can certainly help any of those teams. Like it could Seattle happen. is one of them.
1: It's it's possible that could happen. We've talked a lot today about how the Seahawks defense has struggled mightily. You're right; they do need pass rush help. They need outside linebacker help. But so do the Cardinals. To be honest with you, I still haven't f- uh, felt confident that they've filled that gap that they left when they let Chandler Jones go in free agency. Now. Full disclosure, Chandler Jones hasn't been otherworldly, necessarily, in Vegas. No, he not. It's not necessarily like I'm saying they should have paid him his money and let him come back. No, I'm not saying that. But there is a void that's still left. Because you're going from one of the most prolific pass rushers in the league being on the Cardinals to... Now, all of a sudden, you've got Marcus Golden, who was very productive last year. And now... Maybe you're right. Maybe this is the opportunity finally in Seattle where a guy like MyJ Sanders steps in or Cam Thomas who really probably is more of a JJ Watt, Zach Allen type role in my mind. By the way, I don't think we talked nearly enough about Zach Allen. Like that oh, guy needs to oh. be talked about like he is one of the studs on the defense. He is. I mean, he is, but I don't. I don't feel like he gets that credit yet because J.J. Okay. Watt is still around. But those guys are almost identical in how they've been playing lately.
0: And in my in my base view and my understanding, I would you and I watch all the Cardinals games. It looks like they're both benefiting off of each other's presence, right? Absolutely. They both lead the team in sacks. They both are getting pressure on the quarterback. They're both deflecting passes multiple times a game. You're right. We don't talk enough about Zach Allen. You want to just talk about Zach Allen next segment? <laughs> like only Zach Allen and nobody else? I want to talk about Zach Allen all
1: the time. I'll read you a stat if I can find it really quickly. But um, you were talking about the deflected passes and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals defensive, lineback- uh, defensive linemen. Zach Allen and J.J. Watt are two of just seven NFL players with at least two sacks and three passes defended this season. Wow. That goes to show you exactly what you were talking about. These guys aren't just getting to the quarterback, which we knew that they both could do on different levels. Zach Allen is now starting to pick up on all those things that J.J. Watt has done throughout the entirety of his career. Watt is performing, which is great, seeing as how he missed half of last season. And now Zach Allen is really starting to come into his own. I I, I totally think that he goes underlooked by most
0: NFL fans. Alright, well, let's stop overlooking him and we'll look right at him and all the other key things and players and features of Cardinals Seahawks tomorrow. We'll do that next on arizona sports saturday 98 7 fm arizona's sports station it's arizona sports saturday getting a good look at some prime talent here at the arizona fall league triple header here at chase field Mitch Farrell, is Steve Zinsmeister here with you. Final segment of the show. Again, I want to thank the Arizona Fall League so, so much for having us out here today. The opportunity to talk to Nick Gonzalez, Cooper Hummel, Jordan Lawler. We got to talk as well with... Jeff Roden, who helps run and coordinate this whole thing, it was an awesome opportunity and one I certainly won't forget. Plus, Steve and I just got to sit back and watch baseball the whole time. Well, we're huge
1: baseball nerds, and I know that maybe not everybody follows the minor leagues the way that you and I do, but... I promise you that if you're looking for a low cost, I mean, it's pretty cheap to go to the Fall League. You can be right up front. There's plenty of seats that you can be right up front to watch some of the best prospects in the game. We talked earlier, this is kind of like uh, the Futures game where it's just an all-star game of young talent. Mm -hmm. But they do it multiple times a day, every day. I mean, that's what the Fall League is. It's really fascinating to watch. And, yeah,
0: again, a huge thank you to the Fall League for having us out here today at Chase Field. Cardinals. Seahawks. Tomorrow. We're going to start with Zach Allen because we overly teased that in the last segment. Zach Allen, how much of a key contributor is he going to be in slowing down Geno Smith? And that's, I I want to preface, that's a sentence I never thought I would have to say ever. How is Zach Allen going to have to slow down Geno Smith?
1: Well, perhaps even, even more than that, when I think about the Seahawks, obviously with the loss of Rashard Penny, you know, now you're relying on a rookie running back in Kenneth Walker. And so, As much as you talk about the Cardinals missing some of their lead backs, the Seahawks are going through something similar. And so to look across at the defensive line that they're facing and to see J.J. Watt and Zach Allen really coming into his own like we talked about last segment, I think that's really, really intimidating for a team like the Seahawks. The Cardinals... For all intents and purposes, J.J. Watt's been fantastic as a Cardinal when he's played. When he's played. It's just that he only played seven games last season. Right. right? And so now to have him healthy and to have Zach Allen really performing at another level this season, it's almost like having two J.J. Watt's out there because they do a lot of the same things, and they do them really, really well. So I think that the Seahawks will probably be looking at the Cardinals' defensive line in a different light than they
0: usually do. So... Additionally with that, this is an advantage for the Cardinals defense to show that they're a really good Cardinals defense, right? We've seen it the past couple of weeks. It took them about six quarters to really show up defensively. And we've complained all year about, why is Isaiah Simmons not getting playing time, et cetera, et cetera. This defense has looked really, really good for the last few weeks and against really superior competition. Like 20 points to the Eagles? They're the best offense in the league if you look at every metric. Can they do the same thing against the Seattle Seahawks, who, surprisingly, are top five in offense in the league? And credit really belongs to Vance Joseph in a lot of ways.
1: I think Vance Joseph has done a lot more with his defense than what Cliff Kingsbury has done with his offense. And we've talked a lot about how the Cardinals in the offseason went out and spent a lot of money or other resources like draft picks on offense. They went and drafted a running back in Keontae Ingram. They drafted in the second round Trey McBride, the top tight end in the draft, when they didn't necessarily need him. They traded their first-round pick for Marquise Hollywood-Brown to make Kyler Murray a little more comfortable, probably while knowing that DeAndre Hopkins was not going to be around for six weeks. Right. Uh, You look at the resources they spent on offense. They bring in Will Hernandez on the offensive line. Tons and tons of assets used in the offense. Defensively? not quite as much. Yeah, they drafted the two pass rushers in the third round. Yeah, they added a piece here or there. Nick Vigil to the second level. They tried a few things in the secondary. Uh, unfortunately, Jeff Gladney went the way that it did. I'm excited to see more of Antonio Hamilton, though, speaking of that second. Antonio Hamilton is back from his freak injury that happened where he spilled cooking oil on himself while yes. uh, at home. We're very excited to have him back and see what he can contribute. But Vance Joseph has done a lot
0: with a little because this team did not
1: heavily invest in their defense in the offseason.
0: It feels like, to use a bad analogy, Vance Joseph has, a, has done a very good job working with just bread, peanut butter, and jelly. And Cliff Kingsbury has been struggling with a full-course meal. Is that a bad? Is that a bad analogy, or is that a good? Ex- uh, Cliff's got
1: all the ingredients, and he's got the seasoning, and he's <laughs> he got all of it. To, and all he you know knows what? Is how to
0: boil pasta.
1: You know what? Vance makes a killer PB and J. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think. I think it's. I think you're spot on, man. I think this defense has really been a bright spot. And think of it this way: because the offense has been struggling so much, particularly early in games, had this defense not taken the next step and gone to the next level like they have. This two and three team might not be two and three even. They might be yeah, one and four right now. Or be zero and five. They could have been. Had not had this defense not clicked at the right time. Yeah, this Cardinals team could be not just treading water, but they could be sinking right now.
0: And I personally have had my vendetta against Vance Joseph, coming from Colorado. Obviously, maybe that just wasn't the position for him. The defenses were still spectacular in his time with Denver, and the defenses have. Here and there, but right now they're playing up to a very good caliber level, especially against some uh, superior competition. Offensively, we talked a lot about the running back room. No yes. James Conner, no Daryl Williams, no Jonathan Board. in case you're living under a rock to miss, all that. Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram are your lead backs, and you have Corey Clement as well, who was just elevated from the practice squad. I'm curious, who do you think is going to lead in carries, And then who do you think is going to lead in rushing yards of that trio? I think the obvious choice is
1: Eno Benjamin for both of those statistics. I agree. I I, I would tell you whoever gets the most carries is probably the most likely to get the most yards anyway. But Eno Benjamin, local product, a a lot of people who watch the Cardinals already know who he is and have already seen him a lot. We saw him a little bit last week. I'd like to see a little bit more. I do feel that when he has been on the field, there's just a different energy in the run game that he provides that the other running backs don't. That doesn't mean I'm saying that he's a better running back than James Conner. Right. Or even Daryl Williams, who had a 1,000-yard season in Kansas City at one time. I just think that Eno runs with this vigor. He runs with a passion that a lot of these other guys maybe could learn from. And if you're Keontae Ingram and this is your first real opportunity to make a dent in this offense and really prove yourself, I think taking a page out of Eno's playbook might be a good thing. And this is a real opportunity for Eno Benjamin not just to have a good game, but maybe to have some staying power in this offense
0: moving forward when James Conner comes back. And maybe he becomes a clear favorite in the running back room, whether it's the first option or the second option, like the third down back option, the goal line back option, because quite frankly, it feels like James Conner's just not fully healthy, and that was probably the biggest concern going into that offseason when Steve Kime signed him to the three-year, $30 million contract. It's like, can he stay healthy for $10 million a year? It was a big concern of our colleague Dave Burns' that's for sure. A guy who doesn't like paying running backs, that's just his opinion, and I'm kind of with him on it given the state of the team that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at the running back position just in the Cardinals'
1: recent history, I mean, the best, probably the- the best overall running back they've had in the last handful
0: of years is David Johnson. A guy who could really do a little bit of everything, right? And Which they, is a weird thing to say in 2022, right, where David because, Johnson doesn't have a team anymore.
1: Because the shelf life of a running back is so small. It's it, it's right. so short. I mean, he could be as good as he was for, I don't know, what was it? Three pretty solid seasons with the Cardinals? Two and a half, three. Two and a half, three seasons. And then, you know, they flipped him for DeAndre Hopkins. That's a huge win. Yeah. But my point is simply that he was one of the best running backs in the league, and then he wasn't very quickly.
0: It was like every offseason was, I'm going to get to 1,000 and 1,000, or I'm going to get to 1,500, I'm going to get to 3,000 all-purpose. Like, every time he spoke, it never produced on the field. It was always run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. Nothing, nothing fancy with David Johnson's spray chart after a while. And it just became unusable. And it became I, unwatchable. I do feel that there was an attempt to make
1: David Johnson a workhorse back when in reality he just wasn't at times. This Cardinals offense doesn't do that. James Conner may have had a ton of touchdowns last season. He had a really impressive year. He deserved to be brought back by the Cardinals. But that just doesn't happen in today's NFL. Teams don't really have a lot of work, workhorse backs. Saquon Barkley's having one of those types of seasons in New York. That's a good yes. example. But not every team has that guy, and I don't know if James Conner's a workhorse. Obviously, he's not available for this game. You know, Benjamin, I'm hoping that he's been working on being an, a three-down back. We could see him out there in a lot of different scenarios on Sunday, but I'm interested to know where Keontae Ingram
0: fits in. All right. You want to do some fun little prediction times? Yeah, go for it. The lead, We already talked about rushing, but is there a chance that Kyler Murray could be the team's leading rusher on Sunday? The Kyler Murray could be the lead rusher. Yeah, there's always a chance. Does he Uh, edge out Eno Benjamin? Does he edge out Corey Clement? I'm going to say no, and here's why. Okay. I think that Eno Benjamin
1: will lead the way, assuming that he does get the lion's share of the carries. I think that Eno Benjamin will have not an easy time, but this is not a good Seahawks run defense. So all things going the way that they should, which almost never happens when I make (laughs) predictions, but if everything goes the way that we think it will the Cardinals should be able to run the ball on the Seahawks effectively the normal way is what I'm going to call it. If they struggle, that's when
0: maybe Kyler Murray gets out and runs a little bit. Defense. If I were to set the over-under on sacks at one and a half. Seahawks offensive
1: line isn't the greatest. They got better. The defensive line is coming into its own a little bit. I'm uh, I find it a bit peculiar that Devon Kennard was cut today. Uh, what does that mean for their outside linebacker position? Do we see more of a guy like MyJ Sanders, or does Cam Thomas work his way in? How
0: about Marcus Golden? Marcus he Golden's been good. a sack this year.
1: Marcus Golden, yeah. See, that's the thing is he doesn't have the production this year he had last. Why is that? I think a lot of people would say that he got a lot of his production last year because he had Chandler Jones on the other side, and because he had J.J. Watt in the middle, and Zach Allen really coming into his own. I'll take the over on one and a half, but I'm not taking it for Marcus Golden.
0: Alright, interceptions. If I set it at .5. Over-under.
1: I think they could pick off Geno Smith, but remember, he's leading the NFL in completion percentage right now. He's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the entire league. We didn't even think he'd be starting over Drew Locke.
0: Apparently, according to Pete Carroll, Drew Locke is nipping at his heels. Probably because Drew Locke is down on his hands and knees. Literally nipping at Geno Smith's heels. Hey, we wanted to say a big thank you to the Arizona Fall League
1: uh, and the folks here at Chase Field for having us out for the first ever triple header in the Arizona Fall League. This game just about ready to wrap up in the Fall League. Uh, Thank you so much to them for having us out and for having the opportunity to talk to some of our amazing guests. For Mitch Varellis, for Trevor Henry as well, and for Byron, here is our tech. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.